Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. May 23rd, 2019. We are in a sports epicenter right now. This is the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here. Mike, big weekend. Game of Thrones finale. Freakness stuff. Baseball's in full swing. We know the Warriors swept the series. They're in the finals. Just another week where there is tons going on. Yeah, no doubt. What, what was the highlight for you um, just this past weekend? Because there was just so much to look forward to. Like you said, you, you rattled off all the big events. What to you going into it were you looking most forward to? And then uh, afterwards, you know, what was what lived up to the billing for you? Well, let's see. I thought the Preakness was fun. I love the the storyline with War of Will winning, first of all. That's great. That makes things great moving forward because now people can say what would have happened with War of Will if he wouldn't have been interfered with. Could he have won the Preakness? Whether storyline wise, that was the best thing that could have happened coming out of the Preakness. I think Agreed. moving forward, that Agreed. that was that was great. I love seeing that. Uh, I was a little surprised that he was six to one too. I think we talked about it, and Sarge talked about it. I thought we thought he was going to be like five to two. Yeah, I thought he was going to get bet down because you know generally just the buzz off the trouble trip. He was four to one, and instead he floated up. And I even tweet because I had him picked like third or fourth, but I I sent out a post right before like looking at the race. It was like at these odds, he's the horse to play. You know, at six to one, absolutely. Um, so that was that was cool. And then Game of Thrones obviously was was you know very polarizing for most what i do love is that there aren't going to be many more shows like this the uh the week to week kind of water cooler shows that people talk about the appointment viewing type shows most of the the shows that come out now are either on some sort of different streaming a lot of them are dropped the season at a time you know multiple episodes at a time so it's not as week to week where we're waiting like everybody used to with, you know, the big shows that they talked about with, you know, like Fran and like that, all the NBC shows or the week, the, you know, when you're waiting for every Thursday or every Monday or every Tuesday, this is a little, this is a little different. And I'm a little bummed because it was fun over this last year or two, even just talking about the show each week and having people to interact with about a show like this. Yeah. You know, you know, a, a very underrated show, and I think it's going to keep on picking up more and more um, viewers is Nightfall. Have you seen that? No. No. Okay, fantastic show. Definitely, definitely a uh, in in my mind a a must watch. That does come out every Monday. The season actually just wrapped up. Um, produced by Jeremy Renner. Okay. And um, you know, for me, I just know him as an actor. He's actually my year from my hometown of Modesto. Actually, I could tell you some stories back then. He was a kind of a a metalhead, always wearing you know kind of like the. Uh, Def Leppard shirts and stuff like uh, uh, parties when we're in high school, but uh, obviously he's gone on to be a you know an A-lister now, um, and this is his project. That's not the reason that I'm totally in love with the show. It's just a great show about uh, 15th century, 16th century, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, the Knights of the Templar, who were the protectors of France at that time, and they were actually commissioned to look for the uh, Holy Grail. Yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah, whole, yeah, Holy Grail. Okay. And uh, so it's really, really uh, a cool, fascinating type of series. They just finished season two. Highly recommend it. 
Uh, you can kind of binge watch it. Uh, it's on History Channel. Okay. Um, same channel that shows Vikings. I don't know if you've seen that show or not, which yeah. is also pretty solid. Uh, but that's one of those week-to-week ones. But I agree with you. I think uh, I'd, I'd like to stick to your point, which is it's kind of the end of an era. I'm not sure we'll ever see anything like it again because a lot of these shows – they're maybe on Netflix or Hula or whomever, and they're kind of confined to within that subscription service, whereas all of them pick up HBO. So unless HBO comes up with another fantastic show, and I don't have any reason why I wouldn't think that they couldn't, uh, but the very next one might be one of these spinoffs, right? Yeah, Prequels yeah. or, or, or they, whatever it is that they're going to do. They've recently shot down the fa- the Arya spinoff. Yes, I heard that. Um, and, and so, again, out there... If you didn't listen to Game of Thrones, we'll be talking, you know, a lot of spoilers throughout the episode. So just the, the spoiler warning for uh, for the folks out there who haven't watched the uh, the series finale. But one thing I, I thought was pretty funny, I saw a stat that said with 13.6 million viewers live, the Game of Thrones finale would have ranked 71st among NFL games in live viewership this year. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? Which, you know, we think of it so huge and so epic, but it just would have been like, just an average Thursday night football game, you know, that nobody's even like, there's no buzz about or anything. That's just, uh, that's crazy when you compare, you know, two different things like that. But here's one thing for me, I guess, as we're um, talking just a little bit about it. And we, well, I guess before we get into specifics, no matter what, and I was thinking back about uh, like a lot of my favorite shows in particular. And honestly, I don't really think when I think back on a lot of them, I don't really think a lot of the times on how they end. Most of the time, you're thinking about the moments that you love early on, some of the favorite episodes, the big things. And so I don't think, even though the the last season, maybe season and a half, wasn't as good as the rest, maybe we weren't. We did, there were a lot of things that we didn't get, yeah, fulfill fulfilled with the with some of the endings. I'm still gonna always look back at this show like it was a like a one of my favorite shows, and and I'm I'm really upset more than anything, Mike. With George R. R. Martin, because he's had so much time to finish these books, even the last year and a half between the, I mean, he's had, like be- between episode, be- they knew after season six that that was it. He's had so much time when they started filming this, and like you're hoping that this show is good enough to last long enough to go past your books, right? He had so much time to finish this off so he could have given the, the, Everyone, their other writers, a template to go off completely, and they wouldn't have had to stray. Could you imagine being a writer and and trying to have to close out a universe like this? We're not talking about picking up a rom-com and filling it in. This is like an epic with all of these different characters who have all of these different lineages and different nuances. And it just, that would have been so difficult for what Weiss and Benoff had to do to try to close this world out, you know, without really anything to go off well he first of all he's a much faster writer before he got paid right once you're paid uh you don't have to write as quite as fast and he just gets the royalties royalties now he's a consultant for all these different things and you know well here's the thing that's funny to me is that now he's in a position where he's like okay everybody hated that ending so oh no i had a little bit of a different ending in mind and i have a feeling that it's going to be a lot different because there's no reason in the world now that even if he told him that that's how it ends, that he'll end it that way. He's going to do something different. He already said it's – He's when they asked him, he was very evasive. He said – they said, is it the same ending? He said yes and no. So to me, that means full-blown no, no. But Did you he, see the most recent but, statement he came out with? Like today? Uh, I think it was earlier. No, I didn't see it He said that he um, – they made – they they 
offered him a place in New Zealand to come and write the, and finish the books, like this big, like lush, you know, like palace to stay in and just be by himself and finish. And like and Jack said, Nicholson in The Shining. Remember yeah, you went exactly. To that, uh, and he said, no, I can't do that because I'll be too distracted, but I'm coming back there in August of 2020 to present for some ceremony where he's presenting some awards or something. And he said, basically, I'll be done with it by then. Okay. He said, I'll have it with, you know, he made a joke. I'm, like, not, I'm not a reader of the books. I mean, so yeah, I haven't read I the haven't books read yet, a single but one now I'm, I'm very interested now after seeing the show ending to see how he will end it. So now I absolutely will, but I'm not going to read the books unless there's an ending to the books. Like, I don't want to go read, read the book unless there's an ending because I want to make sure I see his other ending. Otherwise I'm going to be like, waiting to see what he wants to. So I'm going to wait till there's a, a finish to it and then I'll read it all. I'll read them all. And, yeah, and you know what I'm also curious about is, okay, so they've said that they're not going to, from an HBO perspective, do the uh, Arya spinoff. And they're I, working and on I get a prequel that. already, a, a prequel yeah. already that he's a consultant on and he's part of. Exactly. And actually, they're going to be done with the um, the very first episode, the pilot, in June, is uh, is what I read today. So they're going to they're gonna do that in June. Um, but... In terms of uh, George R. R. Martin, I don't think he's come out and said that he won't do an Arya spinoff or something yeah. where we see the continuation of what happens. It's kind of funny because we were kind of planning on talking about the specifics kind of more more later into the show, but uh, we're already you on know, it. I mean, you know, we're kind of already on it, I yeah, guess. So, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: I think that one of the big reasons why they kind of can't do a spinoff, anyways, is because a lot of these actors. You know, they consider themselves artists, right? And so they want to, you know, get into something else. Because that's for, for some of these young people, great, that's no, all they, they've done all. This is this a all, great point. And this yeah, is a they've point. Done all, so are we going to get Macy Williams to, like, her whole lifetime to do Arya? You yeah, know what I mean? Like, she won't even grow as an actress at all. And this is a point that I, I think a lot of the people who are frustrated aren't really fairly taking into account, right? Even the writers like Weiss and Benoff, like, I, they're working on some Star Wars thing coming up. Yeah. You know, yep. and they, they have other commitments and all, like you said, all of the actors, producers, the whole crew, really, right? This, this has been a decade for all of these people. And, and most of them started when they were young, like teenage, not most, but I mean, like at least half the important cast members are still young. They're like, you know, just maybe hit 30 or something. These episodes, as we've seen, and it's particular in the last couple of seasons when they've gone over the hour mark now, this is like six movies that they filmed this season. You yeah. know, whether or not you like them and, and what's funny is whether you're not like, do you like the story as far as like visually and, and everything happening, like the looks of the show is one of the best shows visually. I think that there's ever been, you know, it, with, and just from, you know, a pure entertainment standpoint, we can poke a lot of holes in, in some of the plots and how things ended and the storylines. And there was a, a string of tweets that I, I saw and I'm trying to find it and it was really good. And it was from. Uh, someone who I think worked for the Ringer and was covering with the Ringer website just does a great job of covering um, Game of Thrones, and they were always writing articles and stuff like that. And this was from Pat Meldowney, and I kind of this is kind of how I felt a little bit. And he said, um, he said my biggest frustration with the discourse around the show from those um, wait, okay, so he's he's talking about 
Part of me actually hopes we never had another show that captures an audience the way that Thrones did. We crossed a threshold in the final season where it felt like the masses decided you just weren't allowed to enjoy it at all. It feels like we're in an era where the only perceived method to display in, uh, intellectualist authority on a topic is to tear it down, which we all do some plenty of the time. Here's why you shouldn't like this. Um, I don't expect everyone to love every aspect of a story told, but it's overwhelming how loud and, and never-ending the criticism was. And we could actually see the conversation transform as people collectively decided what they were maddest about each episode. And could the story have been more eloquently if it had been played out another five seasons? Maybe. But, you know, the actors weren't going to stick around. Nobody could build the supplemental storylines that the way George did. Maybe time, more time wouldn't have helped. That's kind of how I feel. You know, this was George's world. He should have closed it out. And, and it was just so hard to try to close it out when you have all of these other people who are human beings beyond their characters. That's not just Arya Stark or Jamie Lannister or Tyrion. You know, they all have other things in their lives besides this show. Yeah, and you know, I'd be really curious. I mean, to me, it's kind of funny because the best Star Wars are the ones where, you know, Disney did not kind of put its Disney stamp all over them, Right. Um, I guess what I'm really trying to say is that the more you could take a franchise and the more you kind of remove it from its original elements, the less it's going to seem like what it was authentic intended yeah. to be, which yeah. is this authentic display. So to me, what, one of the things that made Game of Thrones so compelling was the intellectual conversations at relevant points, but the fighting and the action that came at relevant points. And it seemed like it all came about at perfect times. Like you were never bored. You know, the conversations never were too lengthy. Action uh, sequences were never too long. Nothing was really ever too drawn out. You went from one part of the world, one part of Westeros to another part, to another part. And they kept you captivated and sometimes i'd be like man i, I kind of want to see a little bit more about what's going on in ramsey's world and then i'd be like oh i kind of miss what's going on over at the wall and the night's watch and then oh what's going on in in king's landing and to me that was a really really cool aspect of the show but mostly it was about the conversation it was about the dialogue and it seems like and the point that i'm really getting at is is in season eight and also in season seven but pr- particularly in season eight i think they were like you know what we want to hit a huge home run and give this visual yeah, no, experience that we've never done before. And it's straight away from the conversation and the dialogue. Uh, and it was more focused on visual effects. And from that perspective, they should probably sweep all of the awards when it comes to visuals for whatever. I, I, I don't know a lot about a lot and, of the award shows, but it should, to me, it should, that should hands down, whether it be the Battle of Winterfell whether it be Khaleesi going crazy with the dragon, whatever it is. I mean, one more quick thing. If you haven't watched it already, watch how they filmed that episode and how they built King's Landing backwards. They had to build it with the destruction in mind. So they actually built out the whole like town or city yeah. or whatever. So if you haven't seen it, go go to you know H- the HBO app, go to extras or whatever, and and go to that season uh, that uh, episodes. Uh, I guess it'd be five, right? The episode five making of it, and you're going to be just blown away by the amount of effort that they did to be able to construct that and to destroy it and to make it look so realistic and to have the dragon fire up and down each of those rows. 
amazing attention to detail. Now, Gino, if they put half of that into the dialogue and the storyline, it would have been epic. I think they just didn't have the, the, the time to be able to do everything perfect. No, and you could see there were a lot of characters that um, I actually was reading, like Varys and a um, couple, uh, couple other characters were a little bit upset of, yeah. uh, about how their, their characters kind of got downplayed in the last season and a half or so because they just they weren't able to, and as, as this tweet I read, uh, they weren't able to build those supplemental storylines the way that George did, you know, they just forgot about a lot of things. And, you know, when we were predicting things a lot, we kept saying, oh, well, this happened. There's going to definitely be some kind of a callback to that. And there were how many things they just never, never really tied up or they just kind of left you scratching your head a little bit. And it just felt it felt very unfinished in that it felt like absolutely that there has to be some spinoff coming or there has to be some sorts of, you know, continuation to this because there were so many characters that you're like well okay but now what what does Arya find where's she going okay but okay now Sansa's ruling but what now I mean you're telling me no one's gonna have a problem with Bran ruling he's not even around now Grey Worm is just quietly going away you know like all of these questions you have that could very easily be spinoffs yeah oh, without a doubt and there were so many prophecies that they didn't get to I'm really shocked that like there was no I mean Khal Drogo became kind of an afterthought you know there was that whole prophecy by him being able to possibly come back to life they didn't even bother with that um, you know we're about to go into a commercial break but I'll say this you know when you think about it you had the two most charismatic characters in the whole show and we didn't get a showdown between the two queens how can we not one, one died because she got hit by a rock and the other one died in the middle of making out like come on man that's the best you could do you couldn't even have them have one round of whatever i mean the last time that they were face to face keep in mind was the only time they were ever face to face and that was when they presented the uh the uh, White Walker in the cage. So let's take a commercial break. I want to get your thoughts about that. I've got a few thoughts about the show, and then we will pick up the uh, conversation with baseball that we started a little bit the week before, as well as NBA playoffs and a conclusion on the Game of Thrones series between Gino and I. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Here we are, back on the Mike Abadir Show, talking Game of Thrones. So, Mike, let's kind of... Get into maybe some of the things about the uh, the final episode or maybe the way things ended that bothered us. We'll just, just kind of go back and, and forth a little bit. Um, I I did not I did not like really uh, Sansa this episode. You know, uh, I thought she was pretty – the one thing I thought was interesting between Sansa basically – it's her plan to get rid of Danny. So she drops the the bomb of the secret that John asks her not to, ends up giving it to Tyrion, ends up getting it to Varys. So she ends up getting Varys killed, Danny killed, her brother sent off, and Tyrion convinces John to kill Danny, and yet Tyrion and Sansa are free and John's gotta go off on the night's watch. I don't know how that that rate. Yeah, I didn't understand that because if you look at the precedent when you look at the precedent, King Slayer had killed the uh, Mad King, the Mad Targaryen King, the father of Khaleesi, and Robert Baratheon had stormed King's Landing and took over and became the king. So Jon Snow just did the same thing that they did. So, and he's actually got more of a right than anybody to the throne, even dating back to Robert Baratheon or anybody else or even Khaleesi. So how does he end up getting punished and going to... To, to, to the wall for the rest of his life in banishment, how is it possible that Bran, if he's now king, that he doesn't pardon him? And how is it possible that Sansa, like you, like you said, I, I did not like the direction that they went with her. There was two things that really bugged me. One was more of like an annoyance thing, and the other one was like, are you kidding me kind of thing. The annoyance was... Um, why did she interrupt her uncle like in that manner and she told him to sit shut, down? Sit down, uncncle. Just yeah. shot him down. I, I was like, whoa, that was out of left field. Down. I and know. And then she calls Bran out for not being able to father children. He doesn't even have. And <laughs> eh, Bran doesn't want. But it. isn't that kind of funny? Like, wouldn't just wouldn't, ripping her brother? And then yeah. when everyone else is agreeing to Bran being the king, she's like, nope. 
we're going off on our own. That didn't make any sense to me. And then why? So then this is what I want to get. Why didn't everybody else just go off on their own? Or why didn't Yara, who had that agreement previously with Danny, get upset about this? Yeah, she they didn't put up a fight at all. It at was, all. Yeah, the whole thing was just kind of really the odd. The council was just sense. I mean, when Sam talks about democracy and then they all look around and, meh, 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 and they just laugh at him, just shoot him down. Maybe we should let everybody vote. And they just spit on him. That was great. Yeah, let's let the dogs and the horses vote too. They just, yeah. It, yeah. it was a really weird kind of council to determine the, the ongoing fate of the world. It was, you know, there were all a bunch of Starks there. And then there were some people there who are, should they have even been there or had power? Gendry's barely been a lord. A lord. He's just around. You know, and uh, there were definitely lots of holes. Lots of holes. Lots yeah, of Yeah, the, the participants that were there didn't really make any sense to me. You know, you had, yeah, exactly. Like, you had people that really had never been in power before, like Brienne's there and stuff like that. Like, okay, I get that they're kind of like main characters or like B characters, but. They it didn't make sense that they were there. And Davos even, was the only one who said, "I don't even know if I get a vote." But yeah, I, you know, that was yeah. the only thing that really made sense in that. Yeah, <laughs> that and then even 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 towards the end there, or at the very end, uh, the whatever the council meeting is that Bran had um, back in the old, you know, same the same council room that uh, Cersei and and company used to have their meetings. It was kind of funny to me about the cast that was assembled oh, because yeah. they weren't really like ever necessarily loyal to uh bran so it was just kind of weird like why is Bron there and and some of the others didn't really make sense to me like a lot of it just didn't make sense it was almost like we, we were running out and, of time and that's, let's just and, throw these people together and, so I, and I, I think it only it didn't, else this. it didn't make sense because they didn't they didn't give up play the story out right could you imagine picking up things in the middle of stories and then just seeing the stories compacted without the like the the juicy plot parts you know it's like would would have been great to see why did Sir Braun become Sir Master of Coins? Is there just nobody else around? Just even if it's not, some, and sometimes we, we're we're overthinking it. It would have it could have just been so much as the last four Masters of Coins have all been murdered. So I want someone that's tougher. You know, something like that. That's all. Boom, just a one line throwaway. Or it could yeah. have been a whole arc of something. But there were too many things, like we said, that were that were sped up and rushed. And when things are rushed, some. Some of the endings aren't I don't I didn't have a problem with how some of the things ending ended. It's just we missed why it got to that point. Exactly. Exactly. And here here's here's the funny thing to me. So Sansa wants to be in Winterfell. Um I, I guess I could see that. But after her whole life never wanting to be in Winterfell yeah, and wanting to wait exactly. and be in the capital forever, you know. So who's who who are her friends or family that are there? You know what I mean? Like it just, yeah, they it was they really needed like at least one more episode after this one to be able to kind of like satisfy us with these type of things. Now, some people can say, you know what, that's the whole point of it is to leave it up to the imagination. And you'd mentioned earlier in our program today, Gino, where you said, um, I don't remember a lot of the endings. Well, uh, one of the reasons that you don't remember the endings to a lot of these shows is because most of the time they suck. Well, or, you, you know, know, whether it be Sopranos, like stopping in the middle of a conversation at a, at a diner in a booth. Or, or main characters leave, you yeah. know, or like the last seasons are just different, different groups of characters. This was pretty, we were pretty lucky in that I mean, we didn't really have that in this show. There was nobody that got mad in, in season four and said, I'm out, you know, and then they just have to kill somebody off. Like they, they were able to play the story out the best 
that they wanted. And it's, a, you know, and it, it's funny, like when you hear the writer, it's, it's like when you hear them talk about the way things ended and why they end things, it makes sense. You just would have loved more fill-in, just a little more fill-in to, to get to why and how they made the sense of everything. And so, well, you know, want to hear something hilarious. If there was ever a show where I wanted to see D and D talking afterwards, yeah, this was the one, and we didn't get it. You're right. Yeah. This was the one. This was this the one. Absolutely, was the one. And I, uh, during the commercial break, you mentioned it. I think it's worth mentioning it too, in case the listeners were kind of wondering the same thing. How is it that a uh, prisoner? And Tyrion was able to kind of give his little <laughs> speech, and and he's he says that um, Bran had the he best picks story. The new king. How does he, he have the best the story? King. Anyways, he has he, the worst story. He was he was a bird, and prob and, and he was so unimportant that he was left out for like and an entire season from, and a half. Again, and I haven't read the books, and then you haven't either. But from what everyone says, book Bran is much different than. Show Bran because you see you get more internal conflict with Bran. You get more of his magical powers and what he can do. And we don't get a whole lot of that. We don't really even know what he can do. No, and because you, we, you mentioned we're conflict. We didn't get a conflict. We actually only got one side, right? Which is, I'm no longer Bran. I have no interest in anything. I just want to say, you know, and then all of a sudden he busts out with a joke like, uh, yeah, why do you think I'm here all and, along? You know, it's kind of like, really? And remember when we looked at the odds at the beginnings, I, I saw I saw they were talking about this too on the Ringer on, on their Binge Mode podcast. And, and it was really head scratching that Bran was the overwhelming favorite. It, all the Vegas odds. We're looking at him and everyone's like, why is Bran the favorite to end up on the throne? Why they, is he? They must have had some kind of. And lead. somebody knew. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what some it was. Because somebody who somebody from the you know somebody had inside information from the movie, and and somebody bet it, and then all the lines followed that. Because there's no way, if you're even if if you didn't see that, even just an episode ago, you're not predicting Bran. Even in the middle of this episode, you're not predicting Bran. There's never even like. The things that lead you into predicting Bran. It just comes out of nowhere where it's like Tyrion just picks. He just picks him. No. <laughs> I, I heard some people that were that had takes that was like Tyrion knew that if he picked Bran, he would be the hand, and this was all some ruse. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, that's that's too much for me. But it was I mean, why would he pick Bran? I I don't It doesn't make, make any sense. It doesn't. I just don't get it. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And if you recall from our predictions, and we had we had a couple of things uh, last week that we each said that um, you know were kind of in line, and a couple of things that weren't. I did feel pretty strongly that it wasn't going to be Danny, and to me, it didn't necessarily have to be Jon Snow either. No. But like you mentioned, you know, his conclusion of uh, being uh, basically punished and banished to me, it just. It's not only unsatisfactory, it does it just doesn't make any I sense. I wouldn't have minded him killing Danny and then saying like I'm I'm I now I've I've got to go on my own. I can't be around what I've done, you know, like him 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 punishing himself. I would have been fine with or him saying I'm not meant for this. He's never wanted it. That's fine. But you know he's in there, and there, and he's he's. Uh, did, I don't even did what I do was right. He doesn't even know he may. He 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 seemed like really like like a 
I mean, and I guess that's kind of how he's always been, but he was so childlike and so unsure. And, and I don't know, you know, that was a little bit untrue. Like I felt like he would have, un- he understood what he had to do. He did it, but then he's, you know, he's, he's punished and he's sitting there not knowing. I, I didn't like that aspect of it either. I would have liked him to sit to kind of own up to what he did and say, now I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't be around here now. I have to be on my own. And, and, you know, I just killed the woman I love and this, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, w- one other thing, and, um, you know, I don't want to necessarily bore all of those out there that are listening that are not fans of Game of Thrones. Uh, but this is probably the last time we're going to be talking about it, uh, at least till maybe a prequel comes out or something like that anyways. But I think you're making a lot of good points. A lot of the things that I thought of and wasn't able to put into words. And it kind of just gives rise to this thought, which is if why they kind of did all that was because Jon Snow is supposed to be this man of honor, this honorable character that's not necessarily, he doesn't have any self-serving intentions. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. But you'd think if he's going to be murdering his girlfriend, his aunt, the last Targaryen besides him, that he would have a plan, that it wouldn't be this thing of like just, Tyrion talking to him in some, you know, some makeshift uh, cell, and that he would just go out there and do it on the spot. That he'd have a plan. When, and Tyrion's always army, had a, and Tyrion was in jail. Have an army too. behind him, yeah, right. And then, and then, and then, what he would do would be to stabilize the situation. This is what Sansa and then, and then say, you know what? I know everybody wants me to be the king. I know I have the right to the throne. I am the last of the Targaryens. I am Stark just as much as I am a Targaryen. However, and he's not going to say this, but basically saying, because I'm a man of honor, I want to open it up to the people and put it up to a vote, democracy, a something along those lines where if he's going to step aside or maybe nominate somebody, I'm going to step aside for my sister, Sansa, right? Whatever the case, you know, and he knows that the Northerners are going to get behind it or whatever. But, you know, once again, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And by the way, who is the Martell that was there? Yeah. We only knew the that Dornish, based on... The uh, Dorn Prince? Uh, the Dorn... The, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, we, didn't, we didn't know there. You know, we knew it was him because he had that Middle Eastern look and yeah, uh, where and the, the robe and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like, like how, how, you know, we didn't know the people that are there and they just accepted whomever. They didn't say we want one of our people there. You know, we could go on and on and on. It just... Yeah, the whole it's thing. A, was it's a bummer of, to have a lot of you know at, at the very end because it does leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, you know. But it's like I understand why this happened. We talk, we we understand why it happened. It was just, it was too much to try to wrap up. That too, you had too much going on in the first six seasons of this to try to wrap it up in two seasons. You know, that's true. there was just too much going on. There were too many different moving pieces and too many wheels, plain and simple. So, but. Who knows? Maybe it was just always going to have the holes as soon as it went off George R. R. Martin's script. And that's, and that's probably the case. And that you know, and and so um, we'll be waiting and seeing. I have one final question for you about this particular episode and Shoot. about uh, moving forward on Game of Thrones. Ships or brothels? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's what they're debating about in the final scene, right before how to spend their money in the new world moving forward. Ships or brothels? And then the last. The last words spoken are Tyrion trying to get off that joke that he's tried to get off like three or four times and has never actually even gotten the whole joke off. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what I hope for. I, I am going to be very curious about the uh, prequel. I think it should be it should be pretty cool. We 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 do know a little bit of the history um, dating back a ways. I don't know if we go way back, you know, however long, five thousand years before. I'm not even sure when the prequel is thousand years or five thousand years or whatever it's going to be. But what I'd also hope that we see down the road is maybe the down the road descendants of all these people where they do a futuristic one, sure. you know, maybe like a thousand years later where the next mass enemy comes about because uh, I did read something and I don't know if there's any basis for it or not, but they were basically saying like, there's nothing that necessarily says that the um, white walkers can't reemerge. And one of the things they were pointing towards was remember that baby that was turned Obviously, that baby. Remember the, in the episode where um, um, the guy north of the wall was like a, he had like all the 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 he yeah. killed all his sons and he would marry all his daughters. Remember how he would sacrifice all the the little baby boys and um, and they would turn into uh, Priester, white Priester. walkers or whatever, right? With the blue eyes, but they're little babies. Obviously, they didn't go off to fight. Where are they now? They must have all died when the Night King died, presumably. But I was reading something that said. That might not necessarily be the case, um, and that they could come back to resurface down the road, leaving open the possibility of some kind of spinoff years later. I think this is going to be like Star Wars, Gino. We're just never going to end. You had the first three, wait, there's a you know, 15-year wait, and then now like you can't stop the machine. It's just too profitable for them not to continue with it forever and ever and ever. Like our great, 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 great grandkids are going to be watching Game of Thrones type of spinoffs. Yeah, I think that's there's just so many. That's how yeah. this thing has been. So many variations. Know. Yeah, and it's, there's just certain things that live on and have a chance to live on. You know, um, and it started probably with like Mickey Mouse, like no joke. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the Mickey Mouse live on forever. You know, Star Wars will will live on forever. There'll always be offshoots. I think this is going to be one of those as well, where Game of Thrones, there's always going to be something that relates back to the original series. Maybe even uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, there's a few that are like that. And I think this is definitely one of them. I don't think it's going to tire out for some time ready for so, some baseball after the break yeah let's talk some baseball stay with us we will be back talk about the uh geno's dodgers and the uh, pretty hot red sox stay with us become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. One random question about uh, sports in general before we get into to baseball. I put this poll up on Twitter over the weekend, and I just want you to answer the following statement with one of these responses. Deontay Wilder is awesome and all-time great, overrated in a weak era. Not sure who is that. You know, I haven't seen a ton of his fights. The ones I have seen have been impressive. With that said, I, I like boxing quite a bit. I have not been as into boxing because the, it's just not as compelling. You you, you, you at know? least answered the question though in that. So this was a poll, and it was funny. This poll got a hundred. It was a hundred votes. So that's a great sample, you know, to, yeah. to have in a poll. Thirty. How many people didn't know it? By the way, thirty-four percent. Not sure who is that. Wow. That you know, and to me, that's you know, he's the WBC heavyweight champion right now. He's forty-one and one. He has one draw. With forty knockouts, he's phenomenal. And he's he's got a great personality, by the way. He's, he's funny. Really, he's really funny. Cool guy. He's yeah. very bubble. Yeah, and he and he's. I mean, and he's the type of boxer that people love to watch because he has a huge right hand and he can just lay it loose. But what's happened? I was reading a lot about it because over the weekend because I was just kind of curious after his fight and I started to look him up a little bit more. There's um Anthony Joshua and then there's Fury out there and there's the three of them and Fury and Wilder just drew before Wilder's most recent knockout. And so there's basically three big boxers and they've had a tough time getting them to fight each other. And so that's kind of sort of Deontay's legacy right now is that he hasn't been able to kind of schedule some of the big fights yet. So he wants yeah, and to... who knows the, if Fury will keep his head on straight. I mean, that guy's got yeah, some issues. he's had some, he's had some well. issues. And, yeah. Uh, and you know, said, I, like, I actually like boxing me too. way yeah, more I'm, than than, um, than the UFC I mean, or I'm MMA or just, yeah. like that, by far. But I was just, curi- just curious. I wanted to mention that because I, I, I was... 
I was thinking that that man, you know, you just don't feel a lot of buzz when he's when his fights are coming up. That's kind of why I ran that poll because you you f- I feel it more on like the weekend, and obviously a lot of it's who you follow and and what you're you know paying attention to. But I feel it a lot more on a UFC weekend or like a WWE weekend. I very rarely see you know when a Deontay Wilder fight is coming up like the, well, the when you're talking about up. well, but here's the thing too when you're talking about like all time great status or when you're talking about you know comparing him to. Um, boxers of different eras or even within this current era i i have a very difficult time because i'm not an expert me so too. Yeah. i i yeah. can't really figure out necessarily like are boxers better today than they were 20 years ago how, how i assume that they're stronger and in better shape i don't know if they're better boxers necessarily right uh, because boxing is a skill it's an art form etc uh, and and here's the thing when you're talking even about like horses you know, you could kind of compare them, you know, because they're times. times, right? So you could kind of compare the times, but you could also maybe say, well, you know, maybe horses run faster in this era versus that era. But amongst themselves, this was the best of the best. You can't really quantify it like that with no. boxing. It's hard. George. You, know, you can't say like 116 versus 114 means anything different now because it's all relative to that fight. You know what I mean? So and it's just a tough thing for me to be able to uh, to quantify his greatness. But um, And who knows if, if what to take from this direct quote I'll give you. But uh, if you're going to listen to someone, I guess this isn't a bad person to listen to. I don't know if he has any ties t- or anything, any hidden motivations. But George Foreman said if Joshua and Wilder fight, it would be the biggest heavyweight fight of all time, bigger than anything. That's a direct quote, which I is mean, interesting. Bigger than him against Ali? I because mean, I was going to say, that's interesting because you usually have the, the older generations that are the opposite of that, right? They're like, back in my day, you know, these kids nowadays. So that's funny to hear that's someone. It, that's true, but I'll tell you what. That's very true. Because I, I, I don't know if he's got any motivation. Like, I don't know if he's tied to them in any way or anything like that. So I don't. Here's you know. the thing: but you, you see, you wouldn't be hearing that from old timers if the sport was in decline. It's true. Right, yeah, his sport is point. in decline, and the only way for him to be relevant—I mean, I know he's he's inventor and all you know all that kind of mumbo jumbo—but the only way for like any boxers from the '80s or '70s to be relevant is if boxing is at the forefront today. If it's forgotten about, then those guys are forgotten about. So they're incentivized to say that versus like a Barkley or a Carl Malone or or some of these guys. Larry Bird it's not going to really people, hurt the rating. You know, yeah, the, the sport's probably even more popular sure. today, it's and it's point. because of those guys that it's more popular today. So. So for them, there is a little bit of like, nah, they were better in our day. We were better than these guys. The Bulls would beat the Warriors. The Celtics and Lakers would be, you know, so there was more, there's more of that. And it's, it's easier for them to do it. But if you imagine that if the NBA was really on the outs, you know, it was really in decline. I don't think that you would hear, you know, Pippen or Barkley or whomever talk about today's game in the same way that they do. Yeah. So. Um, but that's interesting nonetheless. Um, I'm curious yeah, now because now I'm, I've, I've read this up, so I'm, I'm curious. So we're hopefully let's look forward to uh, these three guys hooking up in, in maybe, you know, fighting another Fury, Wilder or Wilder, Joshua. If we can get one of those, that, those will be fights that I'm definitely interested in, in watching. And I can't say that about many fights over the last few years in particular because I, I no. used to watch a lot. I used to have the, yeah, the black box here. with the yep. pay-per-views. I could watch all every one of them, and I would. I'd watch them all I, with my dad. I, and I, same. Yep. Um, I and, I, and I would not mind buying pay-per-views. For, I do it for wrestling stuff all the time for other shows if, I, if I'm if i interested. So uh, hopefully that'll be the case. Let's shift our focus over. Yeah, in, one more quick thing, though, Gino. Yeah. I, 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 I sense that Tyson's first 40 wins 
were more difficult than Wilder's. I, that's probably that's probably true. From what from what and just from the like what I've been reading, gathering, I I get that sense. I get the sense that there were a lot of contenders that seemed like they were kind of set up for wins. You know what what is uh they was bums rock. They was bums. You know, when Mick says it to Rocky you know, yep, was, yep. before Mr. T, he was setting him up with bums for the wins. So yeah, I think it, I think we were getting a lot of them uh, early. Or at least, on. or at least it felt like it because a there were a lot more name boxers. But maybe that's also because boxing was uh, very popular. So yeah, you kind of knew the top 10, 15, maybe even contenders. Whereas right now, people are lucky they haven't even heard of the heavyweight champ. So I mean. Forget about going 15 deep. People can't even get three, can't get five deep. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, 99.9% of the population can't get five deep in terms of who are the top five in the world. And that wasn't like that in the 80s and, and 90s and 70s and before that. So, yeah, let's get to baseball. Okay, so in the American League, uh, the Red Sox, after that slow start, almost what we predicted, they steadied the ship. They're back above 500. They're playing some good ball. The only... I, I think worry it's, it's never obviously too early to worry and they're they're playing well is that they're they're five games behind a Yankees team that has been decimated by injury and seems like they're getting a lot of their players back in the next few weeks so you would just assume that the Yankees will keep moving forward I think Tampa played very well early and this is they're they're likely to even regress a little bit this is kind of the Tampa that we thought they would be a good team but not great how do you feel about the Red Sox right now and where they stand very confident. Their offense is just unstoppable. And I don't know if I've ever seen a team this quickly go from a minus 36 run differential to a plus 32 in a matter of a couple of weeks. It's baseball. Baseball, you win by a run, by two runs. So to make up that much ground that quickly is unbelievable. When you look at their offensive numbers, it's actually pretty ridiculous. Go look at the, the RBIs, you know, for most guys right now, if you're at about 20 runs and 20 RBIs, you know, you're playing some pretty good ball. And it seems like the whole lineup for the Red Sox is uh, approaching 30 RBIs or more. You know, I mean, it's 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 pretty ridiculous. The, you know, it seems like the whole lineup is batting, you know, close to 300. And I'll tell you the big spark. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the year. You know, I kind of felt that Pedroia was kind of messing up their chemistry. And I love the guy. Believe me, he's he's a Red Sox great. He's an MVP. He's a, a all-star. He's a World Series champion. But he kind of messed up his their mojo a little bit this year. I'm not putting all the blame on him by any stretch of the imagination. But it seems like he was kind of forced back into the lineup out of loyalty and out of the uh, out, of, out of, you know, the, the what they're paying him. Um, he got hurt again. And he's, he's, he's back uh, for rehab to in the minors. And instead, they had a little bit of continuity with, uh, well, even with their, with their platoon. But since Michael Chavis has been given an opportunity to swing the bat, he's been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. I'm talking in a limited amount of games. He's got 26 RBIs, 10 home runs. His exit velocity and some of the advanced matrix hard hits, etc. This guy, when you look at his scouting report, um, and if anybody is familiar with baseball scouting reports, they're on an 80 grade scale, and he is a 60 in power. And this is this is where you don't even see 70s typically in scouting reports. And he's come up and done his thing. Former first round draft pick. Definitely keep your eye out on Michael Chavis. But they're winning because they're pitching. Their starting pitching's been great, and their bullpen's even been better. Very so confident they, about they the Red can, Sox. And I do think that they're going to overtake the Yankees because I think it's one of those things where everybody's playing out of their minds. 
But when sometimes when you bring those superstars back, there isn't the same chemistry. You think that automatically you bring these guys back and they're going to do really well. And plus, Stanton looks like he's a lot well, yeah, farther. You know, he's not going to be coming back anytime soon. Yeah, it's not um, as much I Stanton, think the Red Sox think... are going to overtake the Yankees. Give them about three weeks. No shot. Zero shot. You're going to be there. They could be a good team and be needing to battle to get in. Just because when you get behind that early, still a lot, a lot to go. But I think uh, I'm telling be... you, remember, I even told you which I said there's going to be a homestand. And then they're going to go on the road, and I even told you exactly when they're going to turn the corner, and they did. And I'm telling you right now, because three weeks. when you said it, they got swept by Arizona when they came out here, and then it was a week after that. But but you but then when they went out home, here, they, they've been good. They've been they've been good, but they're in some trouble. They're five and a half back. The team that's playing some good ball is the Minnesota Twins. They are they have a seven and a half game lead in the Central right now. The Minnesota Twins are second in majors with ninety home runs. They are second in batting average, and they're top ten in ERA. That's a pretty well-built team if you're top two in you know major offensive categories and you're eighth in ERA. I'm so, fully with you, but I'm not sure I'm ready to leave that part of the conversation yet. But for the sake of time, I will say one thing. The Yankees have played the Orioles so many times. Don't buy into the 32-17 and 17 record just yet. Let's see how they do. With the, play- the Orioles have had better teams of players out on the field than the Yankees have had, and they've been getting you know production from, like, minor leaguers so i'm i'm just thinking the yankees have been they're they're a good thing that they're not 10 games under 500 right now because they're going to come storming back too impressive job no 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 doubt about it i'm telling you talk talk to me three weeks from now oh we will we will now we look at a team like that i've been getting a lot of uh crap about is the cubs because the cubs right now when you just look at the projections and the way they're pitching is it's there's i i cannot see it holding up their starting pitching is so far o- over their projections that even if they slightly come down, they're going to lose a few more games, and that's in a tough division. And if you look at the Reds and the Cardinals, the Cardinals' starting pitching has been horrible. They're likely to come back to the mean a little bit. And the Reds, the Reds have actually been really, really good. And offensively, they're getting nothing from Votto and Puig, and so they're going to improve. So um, barely little hit on, hit on the Dodgers. Very happy with them. They look good. Anything in the National League you want to hit on? No, I mean, I think the uh, look, it, it's right now it's the Dodgers and Astros, best two teams in baseball. I don't think there's any argument there. Uh, I, I am like you. I, I kind of was uh, wasn't, wasn't very high on the Cubs going into this year. Give them credit. They're, they're playing pretty good baseball. Um, they played really lights out at home, but I agree with you. I mean, Lester's having his best season of all Ever. time so far. And, not and even close. Uh, you know, yeah, it's not even close. And uh, yeah, I think they're, they're kind of going to hit a little bit of a regression. Chris Bryant's been playing out of his mind lately. Um, like the you know, lineup, it wouldn't surprise me if they have a great lineup and score a ton of runs. But what will surprise me is if they're getting that much from, you know, even Hamels, who's a little older, Quintana, Hendricks is always fine. He's always solid, but they're going to yeah. just, their numbers are going to float up a little bit. But I'll bit, tell you who's, so. to me, who's the most impressive, uh, you know, outside of the Dodgers is the Brewers. Yeah, steady. The Brewers are actually um, really impressing me. And they're, they're, they're getting good pitching from unlikely sources. Yellow and missed and, a few and some of the guys that too. I thought were going to take a step forward, like Peralta and stuff, I really haven't, haven't done anything to help them out. But like Woodruff's doing phenomenal. I think that Gio Gonzalez was a good signing. He's not that old to be over the hill. So I think that was a really good signing, kind of helped solidify that team. And I know the strength has always been the bullpen, but they're getting starting pitching. And, um, and they still haven't even got a lot of their hitters on track yet. So Brewers, man. I don't know. I think uh, I think I've had a change of heart about them. The Reds. You mentioned the Reds. I did predict that I thought they would have a top 
uh, top 10 pitching staff this year, and uh, that's uh, looking good. But like you said, their hitting is just as uh, atrocious, man. But you and, just expect to turn, though. You know, they're, even if Votto and Puig hit 240, they're hitting 200 right now. They're yeah. going to come up to, to, to 230, 240. So, so much baseball so. to get into, and uh, we'll continue talking about it next week. But we got to go, Mike. Yep. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, focus more on the American League West next week because I've got a couple theories about that division. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.